12, we can open up to as we look into some scriptures here. I want to talk to tonight about the unity of the body of Christ, the unity of the church. Um, we're only spending time in three different passages of scripture tonight. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now just as I enter into these first couple of verses, um, within, within the assembly, if, if I say, if we say, maybe it's not a great habit, but sometimes we say, oh, he or she received, and you know what I'm talking about when, when I say that. Um, to extend that, we're talking about somebody has received the Holy Spirit, they've spoken in tongues. If we we talk about, of course, people being spirit-filled, and we know what that means, and and how we recognise someone that's been spirit-filled, um, we could also say they've got the spirit. There's a number of different ways that we could express it, but we're really talking about the same thing. We're talking about the fact that somebody has received the Holy Spirit, and we know they do because they speak in tongues. I just wanted to make that quick point as we enter into these first few verses. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, it's interesting as you go look at this, these first few words, um, those with a King James Bible on their laps would know that the, the word gifts here is in italics, which means it's actually been added in for clarity. But I do question whether it perhaps needed to be there. If, if we take that away and just say, now, concerning spiritual, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, if we sort of spoke in that language I was just going through, you know, now concerning people that are, have received, now concerning people that are spirit-filled, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. So here's a comment on their their old life, what they've been called away from, and it mentions dumb or mute, unable to speak, idols. That was the life before. Then he goes on in verse 3 and says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit, but by the Holy Ghost. So it perhaps makes a little bit more sense as we look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual, talking about the Holy Ghost experience, evidenced by speaking in tongues, not a mute, unable to speak idol, but the power of God that comes along with a voice in our life. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Or um, where it says by, that is actually in, so but in the Holy Ghost. That's how we call Jesus Lord, through having the Holy Ghost dwelling within us. Now he introduces gifts in verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts. This is the word uh, charisma, which we speak about quite a bit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. Now, there's a bit of a pattern in the three um, passages of Scripture we're going to look at tonight, and I'll point that out to you now. It is that there's a... Uh, a principle of unity that's brought about in the in the scripture in the in these particular passages, sort of a unity through the Holy Spirit that we have, but then it also brings out these differences that we have as well. Um, but through those differences, we actually work together in this um, amazing way. 
There are diversities of operations in verse... Uh, did I read verse 5? Sorry. There are di- differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So verses 1 to 3 talk about this common experience that we all have. We're all filled with the Holy Spirit. We all have that voice that comes along. This is not a mute idol or something like that. This is the power of God that comes along with a voice. And that power manifests itself as we read in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It profits each of us. And then it goes through some of these gifts. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work, that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Um, again, I might just spend a little bit of time, you could, you know, you could probably go through each of these gifts and spend a whole talk on it, but it's not particularly the focus of tonight's talk, um, as far as going into the, the details of each of these things. But I did want to point out, because this is something that's, um, may be brought up reasonably often with people that want to argue about speaking in tongues and uh, and they say oh, it's just just a gift. It's interesting that in this passage, in this well-known passage that is talking about the charisma, the, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as they benefit one another, as, as the, our gifts can benefit each other, it uses when it speaks of tongues... This terminology says to another diverse, again diverse has been added there, but diverse kinds of tongues. The word kinds is the word genos, which means diversity, stock, tribe or nation. Um, it's, it's only used alongside tongues in this particular passage. So a passage that's talk about, talking about the gifts of the Spirit operating it speaks of diverse kinds of tongues. We don't read that terminology when we're reading about people um, receiving their salvation in the book of Acts, having their, uh, having their, been converted. Uh, we read it here in a letter that's written to a church in instruction on the operation within that church. We read this terminology of diverse kinds of tongues, diversity of tongues, and you get the idea tribes and nations. So perhaps we could see this as, and maybe I'll start with an example, um, there are people who, when they operate the spiritual gifts in a meeting, they actually find themselves speaking quite a different language or a diverse tongue or a kind of, another kind of tongue to when they're praying at home on their own. So it's just an interesting little perhaps um, manifestation of the Spirit, these kinds of speaking in tongues that the Lord can give to different people. Uh, down, where do we get to? Verse uh, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, is this unity that it's speaking about, are we all baptised into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, so irrelevant of our previous life, irrelevant of our 
our culture or our upbringing or our gender or our age or any other sort of thing that perhaps in the natural makes up who we are, regardless of who we were, we've been made by one spirit baptised into one body uh, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one but many. If the now here it talks about these differences again. If the foot shall say, "Because I am not of the he- I am not the hand, I am not of the body," is it therefore not the body? And if the ear shall say, "Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body," is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set in uh, the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Now, sometimes you read through these passages and you start, you sort of wonder, why does he need to say this? And, and maybe there was a bit of, um, maybe there's a bit of envy in the church, a bit of jealousy, maybe there was a bit of, um, backbiting or something like that, sort of thinking, oh, that person can do, you know, he's got this spiritual gift or, or he's involved in this and so maybe he's a little bit better than me or, or, or I'm better than that person because I'm doing this and that person's not. So perhaps there was this comparison going on within the church and he's, he's essentially making the church at Corinth and in, in turn us, aware of the fact that despite the fact that we uh, have differences between us, and some of those are spiritual differences between us as far as the, the various gifts that it speaks about, we're all vital to the body of Christ. Our natural body, we don't really appreciate it until something's missing, do we? Or something's broken or something's sore or we've we've kicked a toe or whatever it may be. It's It's when a part of our body is struggling that we think to ourselves, we realise how important that is. I think I once gave the example, um, I, I think when I spoke about it the first time in a talk, I think it had just happened that day or a couple of days previously, but of, of getting the little bit of um, skin between my finger and, and thumb, What I don't know what you call this, the webbing, is that is that what it's called? The webbing between your fingers? I got that caught in a um, like a ratchet at work, a ratchet strap, and I was immobilised by this tiny little bit of skin in between my my thumb and my finger. And so something that I'd never put much thought into, I was all of a sudden putting a lot of thought into and realising how important it was to me. But sometimes, you know, maybe that's a silly example, but our in our natural bodies, when, when something is struggling with our natural bodies, um, we, we can sometimes recognise how good it was when that thing was not struggling, you know, how important that thing was to us, even if perhaps we don't give it uh, so much thought on a day-to-day basis. So the importance of all of these different uh, body parts that we have, and we know how um, how much of a difficulty it is for people who are perhaps blind or if they're, uh, they're unable to hear or whatever the situation may be, that is a real challenge in life. Um, spiritually speaking, as a church, we've got all of these different components. We are these components and we are so important to the body of Christ, each and every one of us. And sometimes we forget, it's like, you know, forgetting about the importance of our, our body parts. Sometimes we forget how important we are to the body of Christ. How vital we are. Um, I need to keep my finger where I'm up to. Uh, we'll just read from verse nine, uh, 20, sorry. Um, but now are they many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the 
to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to the part which lacked. That there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So again, we sort of, we started with unity in this chapter. We started with the fact that we've all got the same experience. We're all spirit filled. We've got the same evidence in our life. Then it's spoken about how our diversity between us that we have. And now it's coming back to the fact that, hang on a second, despite that diversity, we are unified in the body of Christ. We are all these vitally important members of the body of Christ. And verse 26, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. How far do we want to go? We've got a few more verses. The God, and God has set uh, some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, diver, uh, governments, diversities of tongues. That is the exact same word that we read earlier where it said kinds of tongues. So it is talking about um, uh, kinds, types, diversities of speaking in tongues, which perhaps as we look at that and we, we consider that maybe some people, do, some people when they pray out in tongues, you think that you know this is incredibly intricate language. Perhaps some are a little bit more uh, simple in their language and yet there's that difference between us but it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, keeping in mind that same context, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show, show I unto you a more excellent way. So again, as we read through a chapter like this, and we do need to keep in, in, in mind the context, that this is not particularly, particularly a, uh, chapter recounting people's salvation to us, recounting their conversion story, recounting the gospel message to us. It's a chapter written to a church, a church that at the time was pretty out of the ordinary, pretty out of order, probably out of the ordinary as well, um, and they needed some correction, they needed some, um, some, some discipline within the church. And so as we see these... Uh, Things that are mentioned, we can see that they are these components of the church, the, the ecclesia, the calling together. As the members of the church come together, these different roles um, come out within the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, uh, speaking in tongues and interpretation. These are things that we, we see here as we come together, the ecclesia. Now let's go to... Um, uh, Romans chapter 12, sort of talking there about, about comeliness, about how presentable some of the, the um, parts of the body or unpresentable the parts of the body may be. There's parts of our natural body that we probably wouldn't consider presentable. If we think of our internal organs, for example, they're not particularly pretty. You probably don't ever want to see them. If you, if you can see them, there's something wrong. Um, how about our feet? Our feet are not something that we particularly think is 
comely, as, as beautiful things, and yet what is in Isaiah 52 we read, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigns. So these different parts of our natural body, and we're reminded that the Lord makes them important, makes them beautiful. Our, our natural bodies, we have part, parts of our natural bodies that perhaps they're not things that are presentable, but they are so important and vital to us. Even the brain, the brain is not a particularly, you have a sit of brain on a table, it's not particularly an attractive thing to look at, but good luck trying to live without one. They're um, pretty important. Well, some people seem to manage, um, <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Romans chapter 12. Um, <laughs> throw myself off. Romans chapter 12, let's start in verse 1. We saw a bit of a pattern that was established there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see a similar sort of a pattern here in Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, very similar kind of terminology here, isn't it? And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, or service that's speaking of, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. A number of different things are mentioned here. I, what comes to my mind is, is, is the idea of just do it, you know, you know, whether we have these different, um, gifts, these different ways that we're involved in, in the work of the Lord. The encouragement is whatever it is, just do it. You know, whatever we can be a part of, let's have a desire to do it. You know, the, the, the saying, use it or lose it. I think that's just as applicable in the things of the Lord as it is, um, anywhere else in life. You know, we want to be making use of the things of the Lord. Not that the Lord is ever going to take his spirit away from us, but we do know if we're not utilizing that spirit, if we're not getting involved, if we're not um, partaking with all uh, of, of the things that uh, the Lord has on offer for us, they start to become, uh, they go on the back burner in our life. They take a, a back seat, they become less important to us and perhaps in that regard we start to lose it a little bit perhaps in our walk in the Lord. V, uh, verse 9, it's V9 because I read V9, that's how I summarise things. Verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Uh, that means let love be unfeigned. Let your love be sincere, not 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 um, putting on a show, not fake. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honour, preferring one another. Um, 
not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Towards another, Mind not high things, but condescend to men of lower states. Be not wise in your own conceits. These are almost like little proverbs, aren't they? These little hard-hitting thoughts for us to, to grasp onto. And this is, this is the practical application of this unity that it's speaking about. Like it's one thing to talk about unity and it's, it's one thing to talk about, yes, we've all got the same Holy Spirit, but these are the ways that the, this, this unity, this Holy Spirit experience that we share in is, is demonstrated. These are the ways that we really solidify the body of Christ. We draw it together. We make it strong. We strengthen it. We, we, uh, we are taking hold of all the good things that the Lord has, has put in front of us. And, and here they are. Here are these ways that we can deal with other people. And these are not, if you look in this world, this is not how mankind deals with each other, generally speaking. Yes, we know we know nice people. Yes, there's some people who, who sort of look out for the best for others and all that sort of thing. But generally speaking, society is heading in the opposite direction to these things. Society is thinking about themselves, you know, worrying about, number one, just worrying about themselves and not considering others. So we want to go the opposite way. We want to follow the way that the Lord has laid out for us, and this is it. Um, did I get to verse 17, was it? Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, Live peaceably with all men. Um, I'm going to drop back because I did skip over a couple of my notes. So there's a bit of, we've sort of got the, the picture here. Let's just pick up a couple of these key points that these scriptures bring out to us. Back in verse 10 it spoke, it said, Be kindly affectioned one to another. Uh, that kindly, kindly affectionate means the mutual love of parents and children and wives and husbands. So you get this kind of, this, this family love uh, concept that's brought out here, that is the love that we have for our brothers and sisters, you know, that we put, put our brothers and sisters above ourselves. We have a desire to serve, a desire to look after them, a desire to see the best for them, a desire to see them continuing, walking on in the ways of the Lord, being built up in the Spirit, and, and we're just looking at ways that we can help that whether it's spiritual ways or whether it's practical ways, however we can sort of put our hand to the plough to support our brothers and sisters, to support the work of the Lord. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if, you were, if you're going to uh, look at scriptures about unity and oneness, this, these verses we're about to read would probably be ones that come to your mind. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1 again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word vocation means a calling or an invitation to a feast. So what we've been invited to, what we're a part of, what our calling is. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Again, just to pause on a couple of thoughts here, that word forbearing means to 
to hold up, to bear, to support, to sustain another. So if we're thinking about our brothers and sisters, we get this concept of having a desire to support each other, forbearing one another, supporting one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I'd like to read that verse in the in the Amplified Bible. The Amplified says for verse 3, make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. Now, where we read the word bond, that literally means a ligament. So when we think about, again, think about the natural body, it is our ligaments that um, kind of connect one bit to the other. Um, a, a description of a, a ligament is the fibrous connective tissue that connects bones to other bones. So the connection between the different sort of components of our body are bonded, linked together by our ligaments. And this this is the concept, this is the word that's used here, uh, endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So if we don't have um, this unity of the spirit, if we don't have this peace amongst each other, we're kind, we're kind of like a bag of bones without anything holding them together. Um, we we need. It's like we've got spiritual ligament damage. Is perhaps another way I could put it. And um, yeah, that's not something that would be pleasant to have. Reading on, verse four. This is that oneness I was talking about. There is one body and one spirit even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Whether he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led uh, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, now that he ascended, that is... uh, uh, what is it, sorry, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11 is particularly where I want to get to here. And again, you can see a real pattern that from the other chapters we've read and as we read into this one. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So these different components of the body of Christ, uh, perhaps more focused on sort of an oversight um, area perhaps as you read through some of these things. And the, the reason for that is, is uh, explained to us in verse 12 where it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if you wanted a a little summary of, of uh, the, the concept of oversight and what, what's oversight all about, This is it, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, I think I'd written down that word, oh no, it was in the next verse. So, oh yeah, sorry, I had. So perfecting means complete furnishing, equipping. So for the, so if we think about why we're here tonight, we are being equipped for our walk in the Lord. We are being supplied with that which we need to get through the next number of days until our next meeting. We are being equipped 
with what we need to tackle the things that are going to come against us in this life, that are going to get thrown against us from this world, all the various ideas that people might throw at us, their maybe negativity or whatever it may be, their disbelief in what we believe, all of these things that can come against us. By being here tonight, we are being equipped with what we need to take these things on. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now, that's not as we would think of it, you know, a perfect man, um, but it means complete. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Full grown, adult, of full age or mature. So that is what this word, as we read it, perfect, but it is really talking about this completeness, this maturing that we have in our walk in the Lord. Uh, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed and again, as opposed to um, the spiritual adults that we've been made. Perhaps I could put it that way. That no, we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried away, uh, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Don't you love the language that's sort of brought out for us here? As we think about this this concept of uh, false doctrine, of alternative ideas to the Word of God, different ways of thinking, modern ways of thinking, modern Christianity, all of these different sort of uh, concepts that we might uh, come across from time to time. And there are so many of these ideas around. You know, the internet is a dangerous place because it, because it is chockers full of them. There, it is, the internet is a place where anyone can make anything sound convincing, can sound like it's right, can sound like it's truth, because they have a a one-way sort of platform of information that they're feeding towards you. So we can't allow ourselves to be tossed to and fro, to be thrown about by these ideas spiritually. We want to be a people who are stable, who are founded on the rock, as we heard from Pastor Steve uh, Sunday, wasn't it? Um, this, this is the position that we want to be on, not thrown about. Uh, and as it brings, as it explains the, um, uh, the driving force between these, these various doctrines, it talks about them being by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, this concept of deception. People, whether they know it or not, who are out to deceive us who are out to make a mockery of the truth, who are out to twist the truth, maybe take black and white and make it grey or make it multicoloured or whatever it may be. There's lots of different approaches that people may take. Verse 15, but I love this little phrase here. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ, speaking the truth in love. Those things need to go together. It's We can't have the truth without love and we can't have the love without the truth. And there are people that have one or the other. They have the, they might have truth, but there's no, they're not driven by love. Or they might have love and they, all they want to talk about is love, but they're missing out on the truth. We need to have the two. The two work together to be effective for the purpose of God. May grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. 
from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now there's a lot of words in that verse, but they're good ones, aren't they? Um, Fitly joined together means to render close jointed together, to organise compactly. You know what I thought of when I read this? Tetris. Remember playing Tetris and um, the, the, the different shaped pieces are coming down and your goal is to get all those pieces in place so that there's no gaps and sort of as you get the different lines they disappear. But anyway, just that idea of being fitly joined together, closely joined together, and that is us, unified in the body of, of Christ. So there's no big gaps, there's no big voids between us, fitly joined together. Um, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. So as we have this unity, as we have this this acceptance that yes, we're different from each other, and yes, there's spiritual differences, there's different gifts that it speaks about, there's different roles in the church and all of these different things that we've read about, but we are fitly joined together, we are compacted together, we are unified, we are close-jointed, we are organised compactly so that there's no gaps. Why? For making increase of the body unto the edifying or the building up of itself in love. So in doing so, it is for the growth of the church, it's the growth for us as individuals and as the ecclesia, the, call to, the calling together. Uh, verse 17. How far do we want to go? Probably getting there. This I say, therefore, that, uh, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth not, uh, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, 16 to 17 is quite a turning point in this chapter. It goes from talking about the uh, the oneness, the unity of the body of Christ, and here it moves on to talking about what the things that we want to avoid, things of this world, the things of our old lives, that we want to be separate from those things. Having the understanding, I'll read verse 18 again, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So think about what we've just been talking about with this unity, with this being joined together in the body of Christ. And here we're being told about the complete opposite, being separated completely from the body of Christ, alienated from the life of God, who... Again, this is a, a standout couple of words for me, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This, this concept of being, um, past feeling, be like doing the wrong thing and getting past the point where you care anymore, getting past the, the point where your conscience is pricked by it. And this is what people, when they're continuing to go back to the things of this world, when they're continuing to turn to those things, to this, to the darkness of this world, and even if they have a knowledge of God, perhaps even if they're spirit-filled, they can get themselves to a point where they're past feeling. 
They're past caring. They're past those things having an impact on them. That is a position we never, ever, ever want to find ourselves in. Um, but you have not so learned Christ. Verse 20. Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the former behaviour, the person that we used to be, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So this is the position that we're in. We never want to allow ourselves to drift back into the darkness, the, the, the things of this world. We want to stay right in the thick, right in the middle of the body of Christ. So despite the fact that we've, we've got different roles, we've got different offices, you could say, in the church, you know, um, we're encouraged through these scriptures that we don't look at each other with any form of either jealousy or with any form of pride. We, we are who we are in the body of Christ with humility, with acceptance of ourselves and of each other, with modesty. We are, we're long-suffering and we're patient towards each other. We're loving towards each other. We have a desire to see the body of Christ grow. And we, each and every one of us, is a part of that growth. We're putting others before ourselves, which again flies in the face of what society wants to do today. We're supporting one another in love. And as we've just read at the end there, we have a separation from our, our old life and from this world and we want to maintain that. We, we don't want the things of this world or our old life to corrupt or harm us because you know what? If we allow that to happen, what else is it harming? It's harming the body. Remember the impact I spoke about? If, if, you know, we just cruise along in our day to day life with our body when, when things are going well, but when something's wrong, oh, I've got a pain in my back or I've got a sore knee or I've got to kick my, stub my toe, that can really hinder us. And so if we allow things into our own life to be affected by them, they can actually have an impact on the, on the greater body as well. So our desire is for this Unity. We've been called to unity. We've been called to oneness through the wonderful spirit that we've been given. And all the people say.